Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we got a couple of uh, bookkeeping things before we get started in today's sermon. You probably noticed the slides, but they didn't make it into the announcements. We're coming up on October. And if you've been here for over a year, you know that October is when we do our fall coat drive. So starting next Sunday, which I think is October 1st, bring new lightly used coats, you know, good, decent condition. We're going to be collecting those donations here at the building. We've partnered with Four Seasons um, Dry Cleaning, and they're going to be... uh, they're going to be handling cleaning those coats up and getting them ready. And then we actually donate them just a few blocks north of here um, at the uh, food pantry. And then those get distributed to the community. Super exciting time. Uh, and I get so excited whenever you guys partner with City Point Church in the community to, to meet those needs. Uh, the other thing is uh, we have a pastor's lunch coming up in October. It's October 15th. And if you don't know what a pastor's lunch is, you're probably the person who needs to register for a pastor's lunch. CityPointChurch.tv forward slash lunch gets you registered for that. It's a time for new members to meet the leadership, hear about where City Point came from, where City Point's going, vision, mission, that kind of stuff. And so that's going to be immediately after church on the 15th. So if you are new around here, register for that. I think they're going to cap it because we're holding it in the overflow room. They're going to cap it at the first, I can't remember how many, uh, that that register. And then if we need to, we'll have another uh, pastor's lunch in November. So just makes plans for that. Now, to this week's sermon on the names of God. If you remember uh, last week, oh wait, I forget. I like to give you guys the point in case something happens or I drop dead. Today's sermon hopefully is supposed to show you guys that Elohim desires to fill every aspect of your life with his creative power. That's what we're going to talk about today. God, Elohim, desires to fill every aspect of your life with his creative power. So last week we started this new series on the names of God with the idea of what's in a name. You guys remember me saying that? I misspelled Shakespeare, didn't put E on the end, Uh, but we'll forget about that. The point behind that was that the infinite creator of the universe desires an intimate relationship with us such that we... uh, discover his nicknames, his virtues, his character through our experiences with him. So today we're moving forward, and in the coming weeks we're going to be looking at these names, these nicknames of God, and what those names teach us about his character, his virtues, and the story that he's telling uh, through his creation, his interactions with us human beings. So we kind of have to go back a little bit for today's name. Um, And what better place to start with God's names than to start at the beginning of the Bible? Um, We find it in the first sentence of the first verse of the first chapter of the first book. But before we get there, we need a little bit of backstory. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes. We know from history that God chose a people Um, through a man whose name we talked about last week. God changed his name to Abraham, and we saw that that meant the father of many nations and that how through Abraham um, and his descendants, God was going to bring salvation and redemption to the world. He was going to bless all mankind. Well, it wasn't always sunshine and roses for God's chosen people. 
in uh, roughly the 13th century BC, the Israelites, that's God's people, would find themselves in slavery in Egypt. All right, and this was a slavery that has lasted for for around 400 years. So we're talking about generations serving in in slavery in Egypt. God sent a man named Moses, and through miraculous intervention, uh, the Israelite people were freed from slavery, and then they started a journey to this land that God, their God, had provided for them or had promised them. So this is what the kids actually are learning about in Kid City right now, this journey through the wilderness for over 40 years because of the decisions that were made. And during this time, they wandered throughout the Middle East. It was a very long journey. And I don't know if you guys have seen pictures from this part of the world, but it's a lot of desert, a lot of wilderness, a lot of wasteland. We have record in the book of Exodus um, that God showed up in some pretty amazing and powerful ways to his people, the Israelites, during this wandering. But consistently, we also see that the Israelites would grumble and complain and talk about maybe we should go back to Egypt. And I think that too often, we aren't very understanding for the people of Israel. Like, I find myself saying, how can they complain when God is providing food and water through miracles? Or like, how can they complain when God is leading them on this journey using a column of fire? Like, how can they complain? But too often we find ourselves in in the same situation, making the same mistake. We're quick to forget about God's providence in our life, the things that he's done for me, the blessings that are poured out all around us. And we begin to focus on the areas that aren't working. We might not make it to our night. Sorry. We begin to focus on the areas that aren't working. Uh, We worry about how we're going to pay the bills this month. We worry that our marriage won't make it to the next anniversary. We worry that our grades are going to drop and we might lose a scholarship or be dropped from a program. We worry that people or what people will think uh, when they learn that we've dropped out of school because plans and people change. We worry that the people uh, vying for power in our country and in the world might have selfish motives that we won't get the promotion, that we might get laid off, or that our kids aren't applying themselves and might not grow up into the men and women we want them to, that our parents' health is failing. And the worry leads to grumbling and complaining. It's thought that during this time, this, these years of wandering, that's when God inspired Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the Torah. And Exodus starts with the birth of Moses. And then we find after that that it's kind of a chronology or a telling of um, the, people, the people's freedom from Israel and then they're wandering in the wilderness. But we have to wonder... Genesis is before Moses was born. 
So how did Moses know what to write in Genesis? Well, some people hold that Genesis was oral tradition that had been handed down by, by generations. Others believe that God inspired Moses to write down an account of what had happened. I think it's a little bit of both. And we'll talk about why next week. So you have to come back. But to focus on this week, Moses finds himself leading this newly freed people into the unknown, into the wild waste of the wilderness. And they're worried and they're complaining. And I really can't imagine being in that situation with this huge group of people thinking, how are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to provide water for all these people? How are we going to make it from point A to point B? And so Moses begins to write the Torah to remind them of who God is and who they are as God's chosen people and the power that God has in his creation. And so you're probably familiar with how it all starts. In Hebrew, it's Baretz bara Elohim. But we read it as, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Hebrew word there translated God in verse 1 and verse 2, oh, I think I went too far, is Elohim. That's the name that we're talking about today. It's not, it, the word God there is Elohim. You guys have to take my word for it. I made some cool slides, but you're not seeing them. Elohim in Scripture is the most general name for God, the most generic. But it carries with it this idea of creative power of the supreme being in all of the universe. So get ready in this series we're going to be using a lot of Hebrew words, mostly butchered. But the word translated there as heavens and earth, heavens is shamayim and earth is eret. That is their way of saying, the Hebrew way of saying, our realm and God's realm, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. In other words, everything. In the beginning, God created everything. And the word translated create in that same passage is bara. And it is only used in connection with God. We find it all throughout the Old Testament, but it only is talking about how God creates. There's a difference in how God creates and how we create. So I don't know if you guys knew this, I'm an artist, and I was pretty proud growing up. I was really good taking a photo, putting a piece of paper over it, and boy, could I trace. And then I would try to give it to my parents, and occasionally they made it on the fridge. 
But I think it's more impressive if you find someone who can take a photo and use that photo as inspiration to draw a picture. And it's even more creative when somebody can, from memory, draw some scene. And even more so, somebody who just, from their imagination, can create a beautiful piece of art. It's the same way with a cake. If you buy me a cake from the store, I'm going to be happy. I mean, look at me. I like cake. But if you were to make that cake using a cake mix, well, that's even better because that's more creative. Or if you were to buy the ingredients and make it from scratch, now you're a true artist. But if you go and, like, grind the wheat, that's too far. But no matter what we create, we always start with something, some material, in art, some medium. Even our imagination is often just an expression of our unique life experiences. We all always start from something. But in this case, God didn't. God created bara. You're actually, you don't know it, but you're familiar with that term. When a magician waves his magic wand over his hat before he pulls the rabbit out, what does he say? Abracadabra. Bara is in both first and second part of that word. And it's basically the magician saying, from nothing, I'm creating something with my words. But we know he's got a hat. He's got a wand. And if we're being honest with ourselves, he's got a rabbit in there underneath the lining of the hat. We always start with something. But Elohim creates differently. He brings forth his creation out of nothing. Then he takes this formless void, the chaos, and he gives it purpose and function and order. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament reminds their readers of this in chapter 11 says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. Elohim, creator God, creates and works in his own way. And here's the best part. He's not done with that creating. This word... Barah shows up in Psalms. When David is caught in sin against Uriah and confronted by the prophet Nathan, we see his remorse. He writes it down in Psalm 51. And in verse 9, we read, But don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create Barah in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. David was recognizing that there wasn't a fixing of his heart. He needed a new heart. Barah shows up more times in the book of Isaiah than it does in the book of Genesis, where we get the account of creation. In Isaiah 65, we see, Look, 
I am creating, bara, new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation, bara. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a, a source of joy. His creative power is still at work, accomplishing a task that will be realized in the future. In Genesis 1-2, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, where it says, the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Spirit there, in Hebrew, means breath or wind. It's the invisible power of creation preparing to bring order and purpose in the formless void. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is recorded as telling his disciples that God is going to send a comforter when Jesus leaves. And he's talking about God's spirit is coming to earth. And then one day, we call it the day of Pentecost, it's recorded in the book of Acts when that spirit comes for the first time to indwell in God's people. This small group of believers has gathered together in an upper room after Jesus has died and been resurrected. And they're meeting together. And the story starts with this group hears a mighty rushing wind. They wouldn't be able to not think about Genesis 1 verse 2 and that Elohim brought order from chaos as his spirit or his wind hovered over the deep. And that breath was bringing a new creation. It's better than anything that we can imagine. When Molly and I first started dating, we were constantly talking about our future. Our relationship is not, was not normal. I mean, we're not normal, but our relationship was not normal. I remember one, first or second date, I just said, hey, look, I'm in this for marriage as the destination unless something bad happens. And so we talked about our future a lot. In fact, it kind of started out as a long-distance relationship. She was an hour away from where I lived. So a lot of those conversations happened over the phone. And I remember one month, our parents, or our portion of our parents' phone bill was several hundred dollars. Because this was back in the day before the unlimited everything plans. And so Molly and I, while we were still just dating, got on the same phone plan so that we could talk and not and not have to pay hundreds of dollars a month. But let me tell you, of all those conversations and all that dreaming that we did, I could never imagine the life that I'm living right now. The five kids that God has blessed me with to help raise, my wife and I working in full-time ministry, building the kingdom, helping raise the next generation of Christians, when City Point first started, for you guys who were here back at the beginning, we started off in a, in a, in a college ministry basement. Then we moved to a borrowed warehouse. There were many Sundays where there were more people on stage during worship than there were people sitting in the seats. That was pretty regular. 
We had no idea. We could not have dreamed that God would have us a place here in Springdale, that we'd be busting at the seams, that we'd have this amazing opportunity to renovate a new auditorium to help fit everybody who's coming. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about this in his letter to the church in Ephesus. We read it in Ephesians 3. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Some, some translations say think or imagine. Elohim, creator God, works beyond our imagination. We can't comprehend the things that we have in store because he's creating them out of nothing. In his letter to the church in Philippi, Paul gives this message, this work that God is doing. He says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul calls it a good work. Where else have we seen the word good? Back in Genesis 1, when Barah Elohim, creator God, finished his day's work, he looked at it and said, this is good. And Paul's saying, he brought the whole universe into existence with a word, and he's working in your life to bring about good. A few days ago, Molly and I were talking. If you guys don't know, Molly, I get a, a lot of gospel from Molly. Molly and I were talking about last week's song, Underdressed. It's currently one of my favorite songs. And uh, Molly shared that there was one thing she didn't really like about the song. I was a little bit offended. But I've learned through, through Reengage to listen to my spouse. And so I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And she said, I don't feel like this song tells the whole story. So we get this picture of like we're invited to the table of the king and we're underdressed. And I think it's difficult to not think about the parable that Jesus told about the wedding feast of the king. If you're not familiar with that parable, so this king prepares a wedding feast for his son. And he sends his servants out into the community to tell the guests that have been invited, it's ready. The feast is ready. And we read in the parable that when they get there, the guests all have excuses. They've got work that day. They've got things going on. They couldn't find a babysitter for their kids. Some of them even mistreated the servants. And obviously this is an analogy of what happened with the prophets telling the people of Israel about the coming Messiah. When those invited guests didn't make it, didn't come to the wedding feast. The king said, well, just go out and find anybody on the road that is willing to come. And so we fill this banquet hall with people who weren't planning on going to a wedding. And so maybe they're not ready. Maybe they're not dressed. They're just wearing their work clothes. But the end of that parable says that they found a guest who wasn't dressed for the wedding and that guest was kicked out. That doesn't fit with our song, Underdressed. Ugh. But here's the kicker, and this is what Molly said. 
This story that God is telling is a, but wait, there's more story. You guys know what I mean whenever I say, but wait, there's more, like the infomercials? But wait, there's more. We've been invited to the wedding feast of the king, but wait, there's more. Not because of anything that we've done, right? We don't even have the right outfit, but because he has prepared a place for us. But wait, there's more. He clothes us in his righteousness. But wait, there's more. We were strangers, even enemies, but he has adopted us as sons and daughters and made us heirs of his kingdom. But wait, there's more. Underneath this new garment that he's giving us, we're becoming clean. We're becoming more like him. We're becoming a new creation. It's better than anything we can imagine. And he doesn't stop. Elohim continues to find areas in our life that are formless and void and waste and wilderness and brings order and purpose to those areas in our life. Because Elohim desires to fill every aspect of your life with his creative power. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed that you, God of the universe, creator of all things out of nothing, care about what I call you and that you care so much that you place yourself within my life, that you interact with me, that you tell your story in my life so that I can learn who you are. We thank you so much for that creative power that is always working, that you are looking for places that are formless and purposeless and void of meaning. And that's where you start your work. And so we just give you the glory today because your work is good and you're working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand up. Let's sing this new song together.